Good afternoon, everyone. It is now 1.01 p.m., and my name is Bavette Brackett, and I'm the chair of the OCI Commission, and this is our regular meeting of the Commission on Community Investment and Infrastructure for Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. Madam Secretary, can you please call the first item? Thank you, Madam Chair. The first order of business is item one roll call. Commission members, please respond when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino. Present. Commissioner Drew. Present. Commissioner Scott is absent. Chair Brackett. Present. Commissioner Scott is absent, but all other members of the commission are present. Madam Chair, we have a quorum. Please note that the commission has one vacant seat. The next order of business is item two announcements. A, the next regular scheduled me regularly scheduled meeting is scheduled on Tuesday, September 19th, 2023 at 1 p.m. B, announcement of prohibition of sound producing electronic devices during the meeting. Please be advised that the ringing of and use of cell phones, pagers, and similar sound-producing electronic devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised that the chair may order the removal from the meeting room of any persons responsible for the ringing of or use of a cell phone, pager, or other similar sound-producing electronic device. C, announcement of co uh, public comment public comment procedures. Please be advised a member of the public has up to three minutes to make pertinent public comments on each agenda item unless the commission adopts a shorter period on any item. During each public comment period, members of the public attending the meeting in person will have an opportunity to provide their comments. It is strongly recommended that members of the public who wish to address the commission fill out a speaker card and submit the completed card to the commission secretary. Members of the public who are joining remotely will be instructed to follow the following instructions. Dial 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter the access code, which is 2660-672-6686. Press the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call. When prompted, press star three to submit your request to speak. When you dial star three, you will hear the following message. You have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear your line has been unmuted, this is your opportunity to provide your public comment. You will have three minutes. Please speak clearly and slowly, and you will be placed back on mute once you are done speaking. You can stay on the line and continue to listen to the meeting. You can also choose to hang up. If you are planning to provide a public comment on any item on today's agenda, it's recommended that uh, if you are joining remotely to call the public comment line ahead of time to allow you to listen to the meeting live and to prevent you from experiencing delays caused by sh uh, streaming. Today's meeting materials are available on our website at sfocii.org under commission, then the public meetings tab. The next order of business is item three, report on actions taken at a previous closed session meeting. If any, there are no reportable actions. The next order of business is item four, matters of unfinished business. There are no matters of unfinished business. Next order of business is item five, matters of new business consisting of consent and regular agenda. First is the consent agenda, item 5A, approval of minutes, regular meetings of June 20th and August 15th, 2023. Madam Chair. Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who'd like to make a comment on the meeting notes? At this time, if there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item, if you're joining remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter access code 2660-672-6686, followed by the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call. Please press star then three to be placed in the queue. An automated voice will let you know when it is your turn. If you're already listening to us by phone, please press star three if you would like to provide public comment. We'd like to begin by inviting anyone who joined here in person. And if you'd like to provide public comment, please come up to the podium at this time. If there are any members of the public joining us on WebEx, or by phone, please press star three on your mobile devices. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment at this time. Hearing no further requests for public comment, we will be closing public comment and I'll be moving over to my fellow commissioners to see if we can have a motion on these consent items. 
Uh, thank you. I'd like to make a motion to approve uh, consent agenda items A and B. Uh, Commissioner, if I could make a correction, it's just A. Oh, A. For both yes, minutes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. For both meetings. And I second that. Thank you. We have a first and second. Commissioners, please announce your vote when I call your name for item 5A. Commissioner Aquino? Aye. Commissioner Drew? Aye. Commissioner Scott is absent. Chair Brackett? Yes. Madam Chair, the vote is three ayes, one absent. Madam Secretary, can you call the next item, please? Uh, the next is agenda item number 5B, electing a vice chair under section 25 of the successor agency bylaws. Discussion and action. Madam Chair. Fellow commissioners, um, under section 25 of the agency bylaws regarding vacancies, should the office of the president or vice president become vacant, the members shall elect a successor from amongst its members at the next regular meeting of the commission. And such election shall be for the unexpired term of this said office. In accordance with the agency's bylaws, we will be electing a vice chair. Do we have any recommendations for vice chair? I do. Uh, I nominate Dr. Scott for vice chair. Thank you. Do we have any other nominations? Seeing no further nominations, we'll close nominations. Um, since Dr. Scott is not here today, um, Thor, would you like to comment? Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, first, I think you'll take public comment, and then uh, Dr. Scott, uh, can accept the nomination later and between the next uh, commission meeting accept it and we will seat her uh, at that next uh, commission meeting which is currently scheduled to be September 19th. Thank you. Madam Secretary, can you please call for public comment? If there are any members of the public who wish to pro provide public comment remotely, please call 415-655-0001 Enter access code 2660672-6686, followed by the pound sign, then the pound sign again. Please press star, then three to be placed in the queue. If you are already on the phone with us and would like to provide comment on this item, please press star three on your devices. And uh, we'd like to invite any members of the public here in person to come up to the podium at this time if you'd like to provide a public comment. And again, for members of the public who joined us on WebEx or on, on the phone, please um, press star three to provide your public comment. Madam Chair, we do not have any members wishing to provide a comment at this time. Thank you, Madam Secretary. We'll now close public comment and um, could you please call the roll? For the... Uh, Office of Vice Chair, Commission members, please announce your vote when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett, oh, excuse me, sorry. Commissioner Drew. Aye. Commissioner Aquino. Aye. And Chair Brackett. Aye. Commissioner Scott is absent. Madam Chair, the vote is three ayes and one absent. Um, so at this moment, we have elected the Vice Chair of the Commission is um, Dr. Carolyn Scott. Um, can you please call the next item? Next is the regular agenda item, 5C, authorizing the issuance of special tax bonds for redevelopment agency of the city and county of San Francisco, community facilities district number six, Mission Bay South public improvements in an aggregate principal amount not to exceed $130 million and approving and directing the execution of a fiscal agent agreement, a bond purchase agreement, one or more escrow deposit and trust agreements, the engagement of professionals and approval of other related documents and actions. Mission Bay South Redevelopment Project Area, Discussion and Action, Resolution Number 27-2023. Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary, Commissioners, members of the public. Uh, this bond item is related to a refunding in the Mission, Mission Bay Project Area. The goals of the refunding is to achieve cost savings from better rates and a better rating on this bond uh, due to stronger values in the Mission Bay project area. To present this item is John Daigle, OCI's debt manager. John.
Good afternoon, uh, Madam Chair, <clears throat> Commissioners, Executive Director Kaslovsky. I might say first one thing about why we have a, a CFD and how that came to be, um, since we have some new commissioners. Um, so most of our financing we do with tax allocation bonds, and, th and they depend on the differential between what the assessed value is when you start versus what it grows to as we construct things. Well, in the beginning, uh, there is no assessed value say in the case of you know, uh, Mission Bay South, and, and there's really no resident. Um, so the, um, in, as is often done, you do a land-based finance, and uh, so it's based on a special tax, and sometimes there's only one owner, which could be the developer, or there's several for several developers, and they, under the Malarus Act, are able to set up a, um, a community facilities district which has a special tax which they vote uh, to impose on themselves as landowners and which adheres to, to the property uh, as it subdivides and so forth. So anyone buying into something that's later built is fully disclosed that they have this, you know, this uh, CFD uh, special tax lien on the property going forward. So that's why we have that. Um, and then as, the, as that um, gets the initial infrastructure uh, set up, then we start going you know, vertical and picking up some uh, taxable value and some increment over the initial year, and then we can issue tax allocation bonds. So that's just a rough background. Um, so, John, <clears throat> can you just bring the mic a little closer to your mouth? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Uh, so the um, enabling authority uh, for uh, uh, doing a refunding or any bond issuance uh, uh, of a community facilities district is the uh, is the Mellow Roos Act, um, and then uh, we are also under dissolution law. We have um, section thirty four one seventy seven five a one a and uh, general uh, government code um, applying to any refunding. So the. The purpose of the uh, issuance of the refunding bonds uh, is, is to refund the five uh, bond issues, five separate bond issues that are currently outstanding under, the, under uh, CFD-6. And there are two old ones, 2005A and B. And then uh, there was a combination refunding and new money deal done in 2013. Uh, so, th so our aim would be to refund all five bonds and end up then with a single bond. The, um, under uh, current market conditions, um, the present value savings of this would be 17 million, and that's present value savings. So over time, that's quite a bit more. And the savings would be realized as a result of uh, lower market rates, um, but also an anticipated credit rating increase uh, because the <clears throat> The assessed, um, I'm sorry, appraised value, not assessed value in the case of CFDs, but the appraised value is so much higher uh, now than it was in 2013 that these would go from, uh, you know, non-rated to, to investment grade in one step. We've, we have primary uh, preliminary indications that, that that would be the case. Um, so is a quick sketch of the um, sources and uses, and in this case, it's fairly simple. Uh, the bond proceeds are $124 million and change. Um, there's also uh, the an anticipated structure. Um, these would uh, be priced also with a premium, and that's, that's something that's really dictated by the investors. In other words, they'll often give us more present value if we give them a higher coupon. They pay extra for that. Uh, but we rely on our um, financial advisor to make sure that th this is an optimal um, economic benefit to us. So it, uh, basically we're issuing a, a smaller amount in terms of net proceeds, but we're getting more money because we're selling them at a higher uh, price. So that's what the premium is about. And then the other source is the... Uh, uh, debt service reserve funds, cash debt service reserve funds from the uh, prior bonds. These are the monies that were, you know, securing um, the 
um, the prior bonds in case of our some inability to make payment. So that money transfers over and gets thrown into this deal. So those are the sources. And then the uses are, uh, first of all, the escrow deposit. And one of the things you're approving is the escrow uh, agreement for the new deal. So until the call date comes up, and we anticipate the call on February 1st, um, this deal will uh, close, this bond issuance will close sometime before that. It could be up inside of 90 days. <clears throat> Um, the money will sit in the escrow, just as in any escrow account. And then uh, there's also uh, $12 million in uh, reserve fund anticipated for the, um, for the new transaction. And then there's the cost of issuance of the various uh, um, costs that go into putting the deal together. And then the underwriter's discount, which is the money that the underwriter makes, basically. It's the difference between um, uh, what they pay us and what they're able to sell the bonds for. Um, and, that, and that's a negotiated with the help of our uh, uh, financial advisor. And again, the, the final amount will be, uh, will be finalized uh, as we approach the date. Market conditions can change. Um, the, the whole premium concept could go away, for instance. We could issue a higher, you know, uh, bond amount. It just depends on what, what will get us the best, uh, uh, most advantageous um, uh, structure. So today's pro, uh, actions basically approve uh, these three fundamental documents. Um, the fiscal agent agreement is... Uh, with uh, ComputerShare as uh, ComputerShare NA. Uh, they were basically the successor or the purchaser of Wells Fargo Trust. Um, and Wells Fargo is the uh, trustee for the previous bonds, or the fiscal agent, I should say, for the previous bonds. And um, what their, their role, of course, is very big after the closing. Their role is complete. We, they, they pay the bondholders. We pay them. And basically, they handle, they, they, uh, they handle the closing. So on the day of the closing, we give them the bonds. We actually give them physical paper bonds. They hold that. On the day of closing, um, they receive the money to purchase the bonds, and then they deliver the bonds. Uh, so that's their first thing. Then they make the uh, uh, wire to the escrow to fully fund the escrow. And then uh, they'll also um, pay as much of the cost of issuance as we have invoices for on that date. They'll maintain a cost of issuance account um, until we pay everything because some things may come in later. So the escrow deposit, I think, is, is, is pretty clear. Um, that's, as I described, that's where the uh, money goes to call the bonds, and it sits there until uh, the call date. And then uh, there's the bond purchase agreement, which is a contract between us and the underwriter who we, we are selling the bonds to. We're not selling them to investors. We sell them to the underwriter. They, in turn, um, sell them to the investors. And the bond purchase agreement sort of defines all the aspects of that, um, of that transaction. And this page basically outlines the things I, I just outlined. Um, and uh, and also gives a, uh, the, the true interest cost of the bonds and the underwriter's discount in terms of uh, you know, percentages. So um, the, the key relationship, I would say, that we're, you're approving today is our um, uh, hiring of uh, underwriters who are the counterparties to the bond purchase agreement. We issued an RFP to the uh, entire uh, city and county of San Francisco uh, underwriter panel um, and received six responses. Um, a little bit less than usual because the, this is a land-based finance and a lot of companies don't, a lot of underwriters don't specialize in that, so they don't bother uh, to, to respond. But six responses is, is quite good. 
And we selected for lead underwriter uh, Stiefel Nicholas and Company. And we have uh, representing Stiefel, we have Tom Jacobs today. And online, uh, we, we, we have uh, Dennis McGuire from uh, Piper Sandler uh, as um, uh, co-manager. Um, we felt that Piper would be uh, add, add some significant uh, marketing whack and fill somewhat of a different uh, niche. So uh, we think it's a great team. We've worked with uh, both quite a bit in the past. It's been, been a while for Piper, but they've always done a great job for us. So next steps, um, we'll go to the oversight board uh, next week. Um, and as soon as the next day, we would send uh, the uh, oversight board off to uh, action off to uh, Department of Finance for their approval. Um, we expect, uh, well, there's a 65-day um, uh, turnaround required of the DOF. Uh, we expect it not to take that long, because this is a fairly simple thing for them. Um, and, uh, but if, uh, but it would be no later than November 16th in any case. And we could go to market right after that. But uh, we expect to get it well before then. Um, October 17th, uh, we hope to come back to commission um, to consider the uh, offering statement, the preliminary uh, official statement, and other uh, final actions to uh, uh, that are necessary for the issuance. Late October, we would uh, do the bond pricing, um, unless um, unless we get, you know, if we got a really quick approval, we might accelerate this sum if we got a fast turnaround from DOF. But uh, assuming the October uh, the October seventeenth meeting, we'd be in in the market pretty soon after that, and then closing in early. Uh, uh, November, usually we close uh, two to three weeks um, after pricing. So I would um, invite any questions, or do we open it up for public comment first? Thank you, John, for that excellent presentation. Um, Madam Secretary, can you please call for public comment? At this time, members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2660-672-6686, press the pound sign, and then the pound sign again to enter the call, then press star 3 to be placed in the queue. If you are already listening to us by phone, please press star 3 if you would like to provide public comment. If you are here joining us in the room and you'd like to provide public comment, please come up to the podium at this time. And again, for members who have joined us remotely, please press star three on your mobile devices if you'd like to provide comments. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment on this item at this time. Hearing no further requests from the public to comment on this item, um, we will close public comment and I'll move it over to my fellow commissioners if you have any questions or comments. Go ahead. Uh, first of all, thank you, uh, Mr. Daigle, for the presentation. Really appreciate you and staff looking for ways to save uh, money for the public and in this case the, the, the reissuance. I uh, was hoping uh, the memo briefly touches on a change of DOF direction regarding approval of the oversight board and DOF itself. I was hoping you could expand on why that approval is required for a community facilities district uh, issuance. Mr. Daigle? Uh, through the chair, uh, Commissioner Drew, if I could have uh, uh, General Counsel Morales address that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Sorry. Hello. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> we have had uh, DOF review in the past our CFD funding matters, but the last time was in 2014, and at that time they indicated that uh, 
the agency in approving CFD bonds was acting under the Mellow Roos Act with separate authority and indicated that uh, they did not have jurisdiction under the dissolution law. And so we've assumed that was the state of affairs since that time, and we have treated our CFD expenditures on an annual basis, which uh, relate to debt service and other matters um, for which we have CFD funds. We have used those separately and not reported them to DOF. They don't appear in our ops. And so this refunding and doing some due diligence by uh, Bond Council, uh, we, we got a contrary opinion from Council for the Department of Finance um, that, in fact, Oversight Board and DOF uh, should review and approve this. So we, in the interest of moving the refunding forward, but at the same time trying to preserve our arguments if there's a forum for us to do so, uh, have framed the issues in the resolution and with the Oversight Board, which will consider this matter next week, in a way that talks about how CFD is an independent action of the successor agency, but at the same time um, acquiescing, if you will, to DOF review. Um, and we're hopeful that that will expedite matters and that we'll get some clarification. Um, but the fundamental point is in, in doing these bonds and refunding CFD bonds, we're not acting under dissolution law, we're acting under the Mellow Roos Act, which is a separate authority. And the commission, although the commission is the governing body for the CFD, it acts in a different capacity uh, when it approves or reviews CFD matters. Thank you, I appreciate uh, kind of preserving the option to explore more whether or not uh, the DOF and Oversight Board uh, oversight is, is required of these actions uh, because it does seem, uh, you know, outside of the scope of, of, of uh, dissolution law. Um, so, so thank you for charting a, a path forward uh, that also preserves that ability to go back and re-examine that determination. I do, thank you. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Daigle, for that presentation. I just would like a refresher or better understanding. It. If you can explain a bit uh, what the fiscal agreement um, does with this project. Well, so, mm, the first thing it, the first thing it does, the uh, first thing the fiscal agent does is basically clear the transaction. So on the day of closing, we have a pre-closing. We line up all the documents that end up in a transcript about this thick. Oh. It gets all lined up. All the signatures are accounted for and so forth. And that includes the actual bonds. They're actually paper bonds that are, that are signed, and um, they're prepared by um, our bond council. And uh, people go off with the boxes, uh, you know, the different, um, there, there are multiple imagine. copies of everything because there will be multiple transcripts. And, and then, uh, so at that point, the fiscal agent basically takes the bonds uh, back to their facility. And then the next morning, the closing takes place and it has to, there's a fairly narrow window and uh, there's a conference call. And at that time, uh, the, um, Underwriter uh, is, is on the call, and so is the fiscal agent, and so is uh, DTC, which is the maintains basically records of all registered bonds, and and us, and they, um, the um, they'll acknowledge the receipt of the funds, and then the um, I'm, I'm sorry. The funds will get released when the trustee acknowledges that they've received the bonds, and, and then the bonds will get delivered to the, you know, and so forth. That all, so that's the clearing of the transaction. Mm -hmm. And then they fund the various, uh, send the money where it belongs and keep the money that they're supposed to keep, which is the cost of issuance that remains any balance uh, for like typically six months. Six. In case we have late, late invoices come in. And then also they will hold the uh, cash debt service reserve in an account. Uh, after that, they will, um, we will send our debt service payments to the trustee, 
they will hold them until the uh, payment date, and then they will pay um, the bondholders, typically through DTC, uh, as again, they're the nominal holder and they cl clear all that stuff. Um, so, you know, that's basically it. And they're there until the end of the, until the last maturity is there. They have a bunch of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, for instance, if, if we are, uh, if we don't send our debt service on time, that's, <clears throat> it's up to them then to either declare, and to declare an event of default perhaps and draw from the debt service reserve. And there are a bunch of things that click in in terms of their responsibilities at that point. Um, all, all sorts of contingencies are covered. Um, um, but does, does that? Yes, so, and all of this takes place within six months. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. They, oh. they will be they will be around um, until the last bond is paid off. Until the when? I'm sorry. Un until the last bond is paid. Oh, okay. Because they're handling every single debt service payment. We're making debt service payments. Uh, we're making interest payments in February, and we're making principal and interest payments in August, and that will go on and um, until the bonds are paid off. Okay. Like 2043 or something. So in the meantime, we will be paying the fiscal agent for their services. Usually, it's in the order of 15 to 2,000 a year. Okay. Um, now that answers. Thank you. That Mr. helps a lot. I appreciate that. Sure, Commissioner Kito, if I may, through the chair and yes. uh, Mr. Daigle. Um, also, there's a flurry of activity as you demonstrated in your schedule at the actual refunding cycle, where the bond fund, the new bonds are sold the old bonds are retired, and then the debt service process that you just described happens essentially on a semi-annual basis for the term of the bonds, some of them being out 30 years. So the fiscal agent agreement is in place for the term of each one of those bonds. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. And, and the fiscal agent in this case is the same as the fiscal agent for the old bonds. Remember, it was Wells Fargo, but ComputerShare acquired their uh, trustee business, and that, um, that's the way it's almost always done because it's, uh, it's just so much cleaner. Um, they'll have the escrow and they have the uh, old bonds and they re take care of everything in-house. We also have, um, if they're, we're not locked in technically, we can always replace, uh, you know, a fiscal agent uh, for any reason essentially down the road. So it's not like they own the business, just that it's, it's just a much more efficient way to handle the, the complex flows involved in this kind of a transaction. Thank you again. Um, I just have one quick question. I'm seeing that the U.S. economy is probably going to have another difficult fourth quarter, um, and there's talks about the feds potentially raising interest rates again. How may this impact this refunding cycle or bond issuance, et cetera, et cetera? Well, <clears throat> we, we basically have a sort of a rule of thumb on the refunding that we have to realize, and this is a rule of thumb. It's not but it's in our, you know, in our, our debt policy. Our rule of thumb is 3%. If we have 3% of present value savings, we, we can, uh, you know, proceed. And we could proceed with less than that if there was, you know, another reason to do so. So from my point of view, from decision-making, that, that's sort of a, you know, that's sort of a, not a hard line, but that's definitely a line uh, if it approaches that. And, and if... Um, If, if it's at 5%, we're not going to hold out for 6%, for instance, because it's really not our business as, as a public, uh, you know, entity to be speculating, um, you know, in, uh, on the direction of interest rates. As, as far as what is likely to happen with, with general in, in interest rates, I mean, it's hard to say. You know, it's a volatile time, and it's not only it's not only where the treasury rates are, because you made a reference to the Fed, and that they certainly influence general rates. But then there's there's also the spread between that and the uh, municipal market, which is which is can, can vary quite a bit, mm -hmm. and then that just depends on investor cash flows, and. Um, I guess that's where I'd leave it. I can certainly call on our. our uh, financial advisor to get into any more depth if you need more. M Madam Chair, if I may, um, is it correct, uh, Mr. Daigle, that these bonds are not variable interest rates? Pardon me? That the, the interest rates on the bonds, are they variable? No, they're fixed. No, they're always fixed. Yeah, yeah. We, we, 
we had one variable rate bond, a CFD4 bond, and we, we called all those, which is a good thing, in my opinion, because we'd be paying a lot of interest now. Yeah. I know they've, our bonds have performed really well in the past and stuff like that, and the types of return. It, I think at the last presentation you said it was something like 7% or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. so it was pretty high return. Yeah. I'm seeing no further questions. Do I have a motion from one of my fellow commissioners? You go ahead. <clears throat> I'd like to make a motion to approve uh, item 5B on the calendar. Oh, no, C. I've got my, like, numbers all wrong there. I shouldn't <laughs> be making motions. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't. It's okay. <laughs> what happens? Do you want me to do it? I think I did. Yes. Oh, okay. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I second that. <laughs> Madam Secretary, can you please call roll? Commissioners, please announce your vote for item 5C when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino? Aye. Commissioner Drew? Aye. Commissioner Scott is absent. Commissioner Brackett? Aye. <laughs> Madam Chair, the vote is three ayes, one absent. The motion carries. Uh, Madam Secretary, can you please call the next item? Next is agenda item number 5D, conditionally authorizing the conversion of 75 off-street re residential parking spaces in and adding five new parking spaces to an existing building containing 313 parking spaces at 185 Channel Street, MBS Block 2, to provide 30 short-term commercial spaces, 30 commercial valet parking spaces, and 20 off-site below market rate residential parking spaces, and approving a second amendment to the basic concept schematic design for Mission Bay South Block 2, Mission Bay South Redevelopment Project Area, Discussion and Action, Resolution Number 28-2023. Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary, Commissioners, members of the public. Um, this is an item for Mission Bay. Um, it's the conversion, proposed conversion of a portion of their on-site residential parking in a parking garage uh, on Block 2. Uh, this item was last heard by this commission on June 20th, uh, prompted a lot of discussion and questions that uh, we've been working with the owner there who is proposing this, UDR, um, to adjust that proposal. And uh, we hope we've addressed all the commission's questions and concerns. And to present this is Gretchen Heckman, Development Specialist. Thank you, Gretchen. Thank you, Director Koslovsky. Um, good afternoon, Chair Brackett, uh, Commissioners Drew and Aquino, um, Executive Director Koslovsky, and General Counsel Morales. As uh, Director Koslovsky mentioned, I'm Gretchen Heckman. I'm a development specialist on the Mission Bay team at OCII. So as you initially heard at our June 20th meeting, the item before you is regarding a partial conversion of residential parking uses within an existing garage at Mission Bay South Block 2 or 185 Channel Street. The property is outlined in red on this map, and as you can see, it's located on 4th Street between Channel and Longbridge Streets. The site includes 315 for-rent residential units, ground floor retail, and slightly less than a one-for-one -one parking ratio for the 315 apartment units on site. The action before you today is to amend the original design approvals, the basic concept schematic design, for the project in order to conditionally authorize the conversion of 75 residential parking spaces to short-term commercial metered spaces, valet parking, and off-site below market rate residential parking, plus the addition of five valet spaces in a drive aisle. This would represent a total of 80 spaces. Um, as Director Koslovsky mentioned, um, the owner of this property, UDR, has a revised proposal based on feedback from commissioners. Uh, Short-term commercial metered parking has been reduced from 30 spaces to 30 spaces from 34 spaces, so a slight reduction in the number of spaces for short-term commercial metered parking. 30 spaces to be leased to Luma Hotel for valet services remains unchanged from June, and the BMR spaces to be leased to, to residents of affordable housing buildings in Mission Bay South have increased from 10 to 20, and an accessible space has been added to this parking category. So this, again, represents a total of 80 converted or added spaces. 
Here's a diagram of the first floor of the garage where the conversion will take place. The doors of the garage will be open for public access from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. And the second floor of the garage, which is not shown here, will be dedicated to on-site residential parking. Here is the building owner's revised rate sheet proposal for the 30 short-term commercial spaces. With this approval, UDR may charge up to the current maximum hourly rate at SFMTA's Moscone Center Garage, which is located on 3rd Street and between Folsom and Howard Streets in Soma. Pricing for shorter durations will be set in increments of 15 minutes, which, for example, should allow a patron, a patron to add some time to their meter if they are running later than expected without having to pay for a full additional hour. The pricing for longer durations is based off the hourly rate and is in line with the planning code's pricing tiers for parking. UDR would like to allow for 30 minutes of free parking so as to deter patrons from parking in the Gus's spaces while running short errands. OCII expects these short-term metered spaces to benefit businesses on 4th Street by providing parking for visitors and clientele. So this part of the proposal, along with the valet spaces, has remained uh, unchanged from the last time the item was brought before you. So I'll move through the next two slides uh, fairly quickly. Um, members of the public will use the pay-by-phone smartphone app to book and purchase time for the short-term metered commercial spaces. And the garage will have various controls listed on this slide to prevent the spaces from being used for parking for special events. Um, again, this part of the proposal remains the same from June. The valet spaces are 30 in total and will initially be leased to Luma Hotel. The 20 below market rate spaces in UDR's proposal represent a third of the 60 non-residential spaces proposed for the parking garage. These will be available to residents of OCII-sponsored affordable housing buildings in Mission Bay South. The parking for these spaces in accordance with the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development Policy will vary by household income and are shown in the table on the slide. Based on staff's analysis, the majority of residents in Mission Bay South fall into the 55% area median income bracket and would thus pay $100 a month for parking. Logistics for the below market rate parking will be agreed upon by OCII, the building owner UDR, its parking operator, and the affordable housing building staff, and will include the creation of an interested parties list, the allocation of spaces through a public lottery process, the creation of a wait list from the interested parties list, and any other policies that are needed to sync the standard parking license agreements in terms of UDR with those of the affordable properties. Staff is recommending the item, this item's approval with conditions related to policies that prevent the use of metered spaces for special events parking, controls around pricing of the short-term commercial metered spaces, an annual compliance statement, policies regarding below market rate spaces, and the approval of signage for the garage. If the commission approves this item, next steps by staff will include the creation of a signage plan for the space and continued discussions between the building owner UDR, the building owner UDR, OCII staff, and affordable housing owner representatives to solidify logistics for the below market rate spaces with an end of October target deadline for the use of those spaces dependent on permitting timelines. So this concludes uh, the presentation for this item and I can answer any questions the commission may have. Also in attendance today for questions are Megan Jennings, Land Use Council representing UDR, Derek Bird, uh, District Manager at UDR, Amy Matabuena, the Project Manager for Luma Hotel, Jose Campos, Manager of Design Review and Planning for OCII, and Pam Sims, Senior Development Specialist in the Housing Group at OCII. Thank you, Megan, for that presentation. Jamie, can you please call for public comment? At this time, members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2660-672-6686, followed by the pound sign and the pound sign again to enter the call. Please press star then three to be placed in the queue. If you are already listening to us by phone, please press star three to be placed in the queue. And we'd like to invite everyone who are participating in person 
If you'd like to provide public comment, please come up to the podium at this time to provide your public comment. And again, for members who have joined us remotely, if you'd like to provide your public comment, please press star three on your mobile devices. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment at this time. Seeing there are no other um, requests for public comment, I'm going to close public comment and open it up to my fellow commissioners for questions or comments. Uh, I'd like to commend staff for uh, and the uh, uh, property owner for uh, considering the comments from this commission last time. I really appreciate the increase in uh, spaces that will be dedicated to BMR uh, owners, a significant increase from, from 10 to 20. Uh, so thank you for, for going back and looking at that. Um, I also appreciate uh, reference to uh, SFMTAs rates as uh, how the commission is proposing or, or how the agency is proposing to uh, go about looking at what reasonable market rates are. Uh, I, I don't think it's appropriate purview of this commission to be uh, determining hourly parking rates. Uh, so I think deferring to our other city agencies that have expertise uh, in that area uh, makes makes a lot of sense. Um, so thank you for, uh, for, for taking our comments into account and, and coming back with a, a new proposal. I'd like to also um, kind of support that sentiment and just really um, throw kudos out there to the whole team for working together. I know it's been a, kind of a lengthy process to go through this. Um, this is a new item for the commission and a new kind of subject to be taking up by this commission. So I really appreciate UDR's patience as well as Gus and um, all of our other partners, um, MOHCD, as well as all of the work you've been doing, Gretchen, to bring this proposal forward and make sure that all of our commissioners understand um, what role we're taking in this and you know also adding in the protections for the community we really appreciate that and just want to say you guys did an outstanding job and this is a testament to what um, OCII can do as we partner with developers and community to make sure that we have a solution that works for everyone, especially our small businesses who right now need that type of support. And so also want to give a big shout out to UDR for really looking out for um, Luma Hotel as well as Gus and some of the other restaurants that are looking for parking because that area is really... Um, there's not a lot of parking for people. So just want to say thank you for that. And also um, Executive Director Koslowski for you know, spending time and Jim Morales as well, trying to figure out the lo logistics and legality behind these changes. So um, without saying anything further, um, do I have a motion from one of my fellow commissioners on this item? I'll motion. Actually, before you do the motion, I did have one question. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's a question for Pam. So um, in this proposal, I know that it's, it's going to be like kind of like a new application process, but I was just wondering, is there any way that, because I know that the list that we have, um, have some people been waiting for a really long time on those lists? Is there any way that um, MOHCD might be able to send, set some kind of tiered preference in the application so that we're honoring some of the people who have been waiting the longest for parking? Well, what we'll thank you, uh, President Brackett. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to, um, uh, if people are interested in these spaces, uh, we're talking to each of the property managers and those individuals that are on the current wait lists, they'll be added automatically to the lottery. Um, so, and there might be other people who are also interested that aren't on the list. Um, so we are going to include them and um, make sure they have an opportunity for these BMR spaces. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. That was all I had. Thank, Thank you. And I motion to approve 5D, conditionally authorizing the conversion of 75 off-street residential parking spaces in and adding five new parking spaces to an existing building containing 313 parking spaces at 1 
85 Channel Street. I don't know if I need to read the whole thing, but I approve that. Uh, I second. Madam Secretary, can you please call of the votes? Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5D when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino. Aye. Commissioner Drew. Aye. Commissioner Scott is absent. Chair Brackett. Aye. Madam Chair, the vote is three ayes, one absent. Madam Secretary, can you please call the next item? The next order of business is item six, public comment on non-agenda items. Madam Chair. Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who would like to comment on right at this moment? At this time, if there are any members of the public who wishes to provide public comment on non-agenda items, please um, call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2660-672-6686, press the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call, then press star then three to be placed in the queue. If you're already listening to us by phone, please press star three if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to join the queue. And for any members who are attending in person and here in person and would like to provide public comment, um, please come up to the podium at this time and provide your public comment. And again, for members who have joined us remotely, please press star three on your mobile devices if you'd like to provide public comment on non-agenda items. Madam Chair, we do not have any members of the public wishing to comment on this item at this time. Hearing no further requests to speak on this item, I'll close public comment. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. The next order of business is item seven, report of the chair. Madam Chair. I don't have a report at this time. Please call the next item. The next order of business is item eight, report of the executive director. Item 8A is notice of intent to issue a request for proposals for landscape maintenance and related services at community facilities district number one, Rincon Point South Beach redevelopment project area. Discussion, Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary, members of the commission, members of the public. Um, you had just heard an item about community facilities district bonds. This is related to maintenance in a community facilities district area. Uh, it's in the former Recon Point South Beach redevelopment project area. And this item is to inform the commission about an offering of an opportunity to do business with OCII. The business opportunities to work on the maintenance of streets, sidewalks, and small open space areas in CFD1. Um, as I mentioned, it's in the former Recon Point South Beach Revelment Project area, which are geographically somewhat separate, but in the areas between the Bay Bridge and uh, the Giants Ballpark. Um, the areas of the work, uh, the public areas around the housing along the Embarcadero between 2nd Street and Beale Street. The redevelopment project area expired in 2021, but as the CFD1 administrator, we're still responsible for maintenance of these features. And so last time in 2017, OCII issued an RFP for this contract and selected Forster and Kroger, uh, who's a minority-owned small business enterprise, or SBE. The contract had an initial term of three years with a three-year option to extend, and that current contract expires October 31st. Uh, that's why we're releasing this request for proposals, and we'll be seeking similar services uh, on a similar term with a three-year initial term and a three-year option to extend. And I'll pause here for comment and feedback. Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to provide a public comment? At this time, if there are any members of the public who wishes to provide public comment on item 8A, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2660-672-6686, followed by the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call. Please press star, then three to be placed in the queue. If you're already listening to us by phone, please press star three to submit your public comment request. If you are joining us in person and would like to provide public comment, please come up to the podium at this time. And as a reminder to members of the public who joined us remotely, please press star three if you would like to provide 
comments on item 8A. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public who wishes to provide public comment. Hearing no further requests to speak on this item, I'll close public comment. And Director Kosklasi, would you like to continue your report? Uh, absolutely. And uh, commissioners, I just want to recognize, was there a question? Oh, I did question? have a question on um, the RFP issuance. Uh, given the redevelopment project area expired in 2021, what are plans to transfer ongoing uh, obligations to the city as we've done in other uh, project areas? Or are there plans? <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Drew. Currently, there aren't any plans. Uh, we want to study that as we reset this new maintenance contract. Um, then we'll have a few years to work on the transition of that. The CFDs in general uh, as a transition um, are a strategy that we need to develop a little bit further. We'd love to update you um, by the time of our next budget presentation on CFDs. I, I can add to that. Uh, thank you. Go ahead. Uh, Commissioner Drew, Commissioners. Uh, we've explored this in the past uh, because we have several CFD obligations, several CFDs in effect. Um, there is no authorization under the Mellow Roos Act to transfer the administration of a CFD to another governmental body. Uh, and so our conclusion was that in order to do that, let's say to the city, uh, we would have to go back to the electors, the the owners, the residents of the CFD and get a two-thirds vote to change the CFD administration, which um, is not really feasible. Um, and so absent state legislation that might authorize a transfer under these circumstances, we're essentially stuck with the CFD responsibilities, if you will, um, and we'll continue to pursue those obligations and, and uh, perform as best we can. Got it. And just for my own uh, understanding, so the Rec Park uh, O&M uh, obligation, or not obligations, but uh, uh, Rec Park recently took on some uh, maintenance uh, of Mission Bay parks that were funding effectively Rec Park to do that and maintaining our obligations as CFD administrator. Yes. Here we're choosing to issue an RFP and directly contract for those services with a um, third third party well that that's a good question yeah we haven't um, considered using although it's not precluded the city from performing the services this is a much smaller area and it's not um, parks per se it's, mm -hmm. it's more plazas and landscape in the area whereas Mission Bay of course was a a rather uh, significant is a significant open space network of parks and and other aspects so yes in Mission Bay we retain our CFDA authority to fund our obligation to fund and have chosen the city here um, nothing precludes the city but uh, at this point we believe it's more appropriate probably to have a private contractor perform those functions but it's still an open question and and Commissioner Drew, if I could add one more detail. Um, the Rec Park Department, um, as a general policy, doesn't maintain um, non-park plazas, streets. Uh, these feel more like plazas and streets and small open spaces don't feel like parks, so they generally don't do that. Um, and we've had a lot of discussions in Mission Bay about that. In Mission Bay, they don't do that. Those streets are maintained by the Department of Public Works. Um, so a potential option is to have the Department of Public Works maintain these areas, but they are very small. Uh, Department of Public Works costs uh, are higher than um, the con private contracting that we've been using. So at this point, we've been proceeding the way that we're doing, as Jim said, uh, kind of making the best out of the circumstances. Okay. But we continue to explore that question. That's definitely our wind-down mandate to, to you know, um, uh, push off these responsibilities to others. Thank you. And I wanted to just acknowledge the work of Marie Munson, a senior development specialist with the agency, and Aaron Foxworthy, Deputy General Counsel, who worked on the CFD1 item They're here in the audience. So I just want to acknowledge their work. Marie Pico from uh, Contra Compliance, who's here as well uh, in the audience. Um, 
so that was that was the other the first item. The second item I wanted to update you on was replacement housing. Um, I've briefed the commission on this uh, many times, um, but I wanted to continue to keep you updated with information. Uh, for the listening public, Senator Weiner introduced SB 593, um, which authorized the replacement of housing demolished during the urban renewal days. Approximately 6,000 units uh, left since 2012. He introduced that in 2023 in February. In the past, the Senate committees and the full Senate. Um, we also passed through the assembly committees uh, structure and we're waiting for a full assembly vote. Uh, we need to have that by mid-September. Uh, Senator Wiener has continued to promote this and awareness of this uh, in the media with different interviews with the San Francisco Chronicle, Cron4 TV, KQED and Bloomberg. Um, right now there are legislative modifications being considered um, that have been proposed by the Department of Finance, uh, DOF, um, as they have an oversight board, excuse me, oversight role for successor agencies throughout California. Um, the legislation must be finalized by this Thursday, that's the last day for amendments, uh, for a full vote in the Assembly and a confirmation vote in the Senate, again by September 14th. Uh, we think we're on track for that, um, we're crossing our fingers, but if that does happen, which is still, um, still has yet to happen, the next step would be the Governor's desk for signature and then uh, he would have up to 30 days to sign the legislation or veto it, um, and that would be October 14th. Um, so that's the status of the legislation, and every time I provide this update to the commission, I just want to acknowledge everybody who worked on this. Um, Maddie Scott from Freedom West Homes, Dr. Veronica Honeycutt from the Hunters Point Shipyard CAC, our team here at OCAI, Jim Morales, Elizabeth Calamello, Rosa Torres, John Daigle, uh, and Mina Yu. Uh, I also want to especially thank the mayor, Mayor London Breed, who initiated this with her legislative support. Um, she was willing to take on the political challenge and furtherance of the goal of expediting production um, and bringing critical affordable housing uh, resources to San Francisco. And Senator Weiner, of course, who took that call and had been relentlessly pushing this through the legislation, through this process, in pursuit of housing justice, uh, as we are. So we want to thank them. And that closes my report. Thank you. Madam Chair, can you um, call the next item, please? Uh, the next order of business is item nine, commissioners' questions and matters. Madam Chair. Commissioners, do you have any questions or matters? I do have one announcement to make. On um, August 17th, um, both myself, um, Commissioner Scott, as well as Director Koslowski, um, attended the capstone ceremony pro training program for OCII um, that Maria Picot currently has been overseeing along with um, her team and George and it was just a pleasant day um, to see a lot of the trainees um, who not only was this their first year seeing some who came back for a second year and seeing their growth professionally as well as some of their aspirations and it was just very touching to hear from some of the graduates um, how this exposure made them want to go into architecture and engineer and planning and so forth. So really amazing event, um, very well attended. It was a packed house and also um, a lot of great feedback as well from some of our developer partners and our construction partners who um, are willing to double down and potentially have more um, participants next year. So just wanted to really give a big shout out to that team um, for creating a pipeline of future um, potential OCII employees. We do. And then also we have um, Commissioner Aquino would like to make. Yes, I just wanna share that um, last uh, Wednesday, um, Director Thor Kozlowski and uh, Commissioner Scott, Dr. Scott, uh, we attended the um, Hunters Point uh, walking tour. Uh, it's exciting to hear the development that will be taking place there and the work that still is yet happening that continues to improve the Hunters Point area as it's a beautiful place and I'm just excited to hear that things are moving forward in that community. Thank you. If I may, through the chair. Yes. Um, Commissioner Aquino, thank you for coming. Uh, Commissioner Drew and Chair Brackett, you guys have come to other 
tours, Dr. Scott came. Uh, I want to thank uh, Lila Hussein, the senior project manager, put together that tour. Uh, she's amazing and knows that project very well. Um, and as you, you can see, it's not only is it stunning, but the potential is uh, incredible. And so, absolutely, yeah. Thank you. Yes, agreed. Seeing no further comments from my fellow commissioner, Madam Secretary, can you call the next item, please? Sure. The next order of business is item 10, closed session. There are no closed session items. Next order of business is item 11, adjournment. Madam Chair. Fellow commissioners, um, we need a motion and a second to either adjourn or stay here longer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you I think I can successfully make a motion to adjourn. <laughs> and I second that. The meeting has been adjourned at 2.06 p.m. Cool.